Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You know, the timing of 2020 and me being alone in my studio apartment to kind of be alone with my thoughts that's when I discovered like, I've been struggling with what my passion and what my purpose is for a long time. Like, what am I meant to do? But the reason that it is such a difficult question to answer is because we rarely ask ourselves, we often go to other people, we will never align with what we're meant to do if we're seeking it outside of ourselves. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice. And today's episode is one that I think is going to leave you feeling inspired AF. I've been talking a lot about discovering your purpose. I recently did an Instagram live where I told y'all that I recently achieved financial independence and kind of my journey through self-discovery and figuring out what the hell is it that I actually want to do with my life. And thanks to this podcast, I have the answer, but the journey has been long. It's been a winding road. And this next guest is in a lot of ways, a kindred spirit of mine. We're going to be talking to Erica Cruz. Erica discovered her purpose 
on TikTok of all places. And she's actually built a business using TikTok. So I can't wait for you to hear her story. Erica Cruz is a self-discovery expert, TikTok partner, and founder of Purpose Driven Latina. She helps first-gen millennials align with their purpose and find fulfillment through mindset and mindfulness. After eight years in the tech industry, Erica turned her side hustle into her main hustle, all thanks to TikTok. She's the proud daughter of Mexican immigrants, and she is aware of the lack of resources that were available to her growing up, and there are not available to many of us when we think about starting businesses and doing scary stuff like leaving your job and, you know, all the baggage that comes with that. She's very well aware of this, and she actually helps coach her students through a lot of these mental blocks that we have in finding our purpose. So for this reason, Erica is on a mission to connect other first gens with the tools and resources to kill it. Her content on TikTok focuses on bringing people back to themselves so that they can align with their deeper purpose, gain confidence, and dream big. I can't wait for you to hear this story. Erica is truly an inspiration. She is someone who I look up to, and it's amazing what happens when you just start living in your purpose. So let's get into the episode. Now, before we get into today's episode, I just want to remind you that the Side Hustle Summit is happening April 19th to the 24th, six days of virtual workshops featuring myself and five other amazing Latina entrepreneurs. We're going to help you get your side hustle right. So if you don't already have your ticket, just head over to Side Hustle Summit 3. That's Side Hustle Summit, the number three, dot com, and grab your spot. This is going to be the last Side Hustle Summit, y'all. So if you missed one and two, don't miss the third and final episode. And for anybody who purchases their ticket, if you're listening to this in real time, by April 14th, you also get free access to the replays from the Side Hustle Summit too. So don't miss your chance to join us at this finale, the Side Hustle Summit 3. Grab your tickets at SideHustleSummit3.com. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Erica, welcome to the podcast. I am super excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So why don't you start off by introducing yourself to the audience? Yeah, of course. So my name is Erica. I am a self-discovery expert, and I'm also a TikTok partner, and I spent the last eight years in the tech industry, 
where I convinced myself for a long time that it was where I wanted to be because, you know, there's not a lot of people of color. There's not a lot of women. I want to say, I think like half of a percentage is what makes up the Latina population within technology. So I did become pretty passionate about like diversity and inclusion, but I still felt like I was in this little box and I couldn't help my community more. So 2020 happened. And I know it's been a really hard year for a lot of people, but I do think it was such a transformational year for me because I have spent so much of my career traveling the world and like trying to learn more about myself. And it wasn't until 2020 when we were all kind of forced to stay inside that I actually went inward. And I really started to ask myself, what do I want out of life? What is important to me? And my business was born out of the pandemic. So here we are today. I'm super happy to chat with you. So as I mentioned, I'm a self-discovery expert as well as a TikTok partner. So TikTok played a really big role in me leaving my nine to five job and making my side hustle my main hustle. So I started the year off with no followers. Now I'm almost at 170,000, which is crazy. Wow. Yeah. So that really gave me the platform to attract the right people. And I launched a group coaching program called Purpose Driven Latina, got most of my leads from TikTok. And once that was successful, I said bye-bye to the day job. And now I'm working on a TikTok course. So it's all kind of coming full circle. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is amazing. And you know, there are so many stories of like 2020 being the year that people are like, fuck it. Like if this is not the time, then when is the time? So wow. Amazing. Okay. So we're going to dive into all of that and more, but first I love starting off the interviews by framing the conversation or with the lessons that you learned about money growing up. Can you talk us through your relationship with money, what that was like growing up? Yeah. I feel like my relationship with money is kind of the opposite of what most people experience. So By the time I was born, I'm the second child. I have an older brother. He's about five and a half years older. By the time I was born, we were actually doing pretty well as a family. So my parents began to invest into properties, rental properties. And I really don't remember a time when I couldn't have all of the essentials. I mean, we didn't live in the best city, but where we lived, we were pretty well off. And When I was 11, my parents separated and we suddenly had no money. So I had kind of grown up in this environment where like we would, we, I even remember we would take trips to Hawaii and I just, none of my friends took, you know, trips to Hawaii, but that was mainly just my childhood. By the time I became a teenager, my mom was suddenly a single mom. My dad got remarried. They spent a lot of time in court kind of fighting over these properties. My dad ended up losing everything. My mom has some of it. Like they both, the divorce just really impacted the family in general financially. And I think the decisions that were also made were very emotional. Mm -hmm. So I began working at age 14 and I haven't stopped working since. So as much as that experience I think has probably caused some trauma in my life, I really am grateful for it because I think if I would have grown up in the trajectory that I was headed, I would have probably been spoiled because we had everything that we needed. Mm -hmm. And the fact that suddenly I had to work for what I needed, I really began to value hard work and value money. But with that came kind of a scarcity mindset. And my mom comes from 
a rancho in Mexico. She grew up without running water, without electricity, without shoes. So her entire life, she's had this kind of scarcity mindset because there was there was, yeah, an abundance of like corn and beans, but not these other materialistic things. And right. it's funny, I can see it kind of manifesting to this day. She's a little bit of a hoarder. And we really started to dig deep as to why that was. And we came to the conclusion that because she was so below the poverty line, she has a hard time detaching from materialistic things when you haven't had them growing up. So I've had to do a lot of unlearning the last few years regarding my relationship with money. And I think, well, I'm doing my best to help my immediate family switch that scarcity mindset to an abundant mindset. And do think that those eight years that I spent in tech, I had a lot of really good mentors outside of the Latino community that showed me a lot about even just using points to travel, for example. So little (laughs) tips and tricks. And, you know, I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, learn the difference between a liability and an asset. And I'm like, nobody teaches us this. So that is my relationship with money. I feel like it's a pretty good relationship now, but it has not always been. Yeah, I think that's such a common narrative in our communities, especially when you mention the hoarding. I have so many relatives that do the exact (laughs) same thing. And I'm just like, I get it. Like, I see it through that lens now because why would you be so like flippant about throwing things away when you don't know when you're going to have access to those things? And that stuff like is so deeply rooted that it takes a lot of like maybe even professional help to get past some of those things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about your career. So I'm assuming that because you've been working since 14, you're very driven. You're very, I would guess, maybe like me, you're type A, like you just, you work hard and you can almost like work yourself to the bone. Am I hitting a nerve? (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So tell me about your career in tech, because I can imagine it's a very competitive space that comes with a lot of money, but I'm assuming it probably comes with its fair share of burnout too. Yes. I'm a firm believer that every struggle serves a purpose. So it was definitely a struggle, but it served its purpose. So when I was in college, I worked at Mac Cosmetics, which was actually a really fun job. I got to, you know, do makeovers on the weekends and the evenings, but I worked way too much for being the level of school that I was at because I was a bad student. (laughs) I shouldn't say that, but the way that I learned was very different than the way that we were taught. And for the longest time, I believed that I was stupid. Mm. So, and this all, it will all come back to my, my job in tech in one second. But my mm-hmm. brother told me once, he was like, ah, you'll never get into UC Berkeley. And of course, being, you know, the type A person that I am, I was <laughs> like, I'm going to show you. So not only did I get into Berkeley, but I also worked a 30 hour a week job, which was insane because, yeah. and girl, I still partied. <laughs> <laughs> It was the first time in my life that I experienced migraines. And now reflecting back, I'm like, oh, of course, like my body was not getting enough rest, not enough nutrients. I was partying, going to work, trying to study, pulling all nighters. And it was just, I was putting myself under unnecessary stress. And why? Because this narrative that we have, you know, in the Latinx community that, you know, para trabajar, you know, le tienes que echar ganas and it's going to be difficult. And that's just how it is. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the big, big things I had to unlearn. It was fairly recent, actually, that I kind of reparented myself around that. So 
I was in school and my number one priority was, all right, let me just get the first job that I can get because I need experience. And then I will end up working at a nonprofit because that's what I thought I would do. Or I'll go back to law school because of course, like every, <laughs> I think, you know, either a doctor or a lawyer, it was all yes. in our <laughs> trajectory at some point. We said we wanted to be a lawyer. Yeah. I was a future doctor, according to my parents. Never happened, but. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So a big tech company went to the school that I was a student at and they were like, so you have like sales experience? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, all right, well, you know, we're going to offer you a job in tech. And I was like, okay. So it was three months before I was even graduating and I already had a job lined up. So I said, yes, Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I was doing. I will (laughs) never forget when I showed up. I was like, what am I doing here? Because it wasn't even like a startup. It wasn't a new tech company. It was Oracle, which is a huge company. And I was in the sales department. So not only was it predominantly male and white, but it was also predominantly much older. So here is this like curly haired, you know, red lipstick, hooped Latina. Everybody was nice, but you could just tell people kind of treated me like a joke. Like, what is she doing here? Mm -hmm. And so I not only would, you know, work that nine to five, but I knew I didn't want to be there forever. And I ended up moving to a startup. And at the startup, that's where I had a little more visibility into different areas of the business. And I actually liked that a lot more, but I felt like I had to be doing something to give back to my community. It's always what I thought I would be doing. So I started looking into food blogs and I was like, all right, I'm going to start a food blog. So because my nine to five wasn't enough, I was like, okay, let me go start this food blog. But I would go home and I would still think about work. And it was so, so unhealthy. So I ended up moving around to a couple of different tech companies. And I was so stressed out that I would still get these migraines that I would also get when I was in college. And one of the startups I worked at, they were like, oh, we're going to do like a weekly yoga thing for our Wellness Wednesday company culture type of thing. So mm-hmm. for that reason, I started to do yoga because I was like, all right, be at work or do yoga. Like, let's do yoga. But yoga <laughs> was never really my thing because I'm so type A. I preferred things that were intense. Like I wanted to do high intensity. I wanted to do boxing, things that were a little more amped up. And what I noticed once I started doing yoga is that not only was were my other workouts better, but I was mentally much better. I was sleeping much better. So this tech company, this tech job <laughs> had me so stressed out that it actually ended up leading me to yoga. So then I became a yoga instructor. And when I became a yoga instructor, I was like, all right, I think I'm kind of over this food blog. And I started to create content around yoga. So let me step back because I don't even think I answered your question. You were asking about my jobs. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Okay. So I had different roles. I worked in sales. I worked in partnerships and then I moved to marketing. And then from marketing, I moved to product. And then from product, I moved back to marketing. So I had my hands in a lot of different areas. And I really do think that if it was not for that experience, I would not be able to run my own business right now. It was so many times we tell ourselves the story of like, oh, I'm just like wasting my time or that was a waste of time. Like, no, nothing is a waste of time. Everything teaches you more about what you want or more about what you don't want. Yeah, I absolutely believe that. And so it sounds like 
in your career path, you also found this journey or you had sort of a journey to self-discovery where you realized that there might be more value in looking within versus always looking in the external for like validation and success, right? Exactly. Yes. So tell me about how the yoga instruction led you to this path to self-discovery. So the yoga practice led me to mindfulness and mindfulness kind of being meditation and everything around around mindfulness then led me to kind of go inward and because yoga is uh, there's a lot of different pillars of yoga there's the movement but then there's also yoga ethics and yoga theory and I think I really started getting into the actual yoga theory and yoga ethics piece of of things mm-hmm. which really teaches us that we are our one true teacher. And the more that I kind of looked into that and 2020, you know, the timing of 2020 and me being alone in my studio apartment to kind of be alone with my thoughts, that's when I discovered like, okay, I've been struggling with what my passion and what my purpose is for a long time. And it's one of the most common questions that people are seeking. Like, what am I meant to do? But the reason that it is such a difficult question to answer is because we rarely ask ourselves. We often go to other people. And Mm -hmm. the thing is that we will never align with what we're meant to do if we're seeking it outside of ourselves because other people don't know what's best for you. I mean, you don't even know what's best for you. If somebody told you that you'd be doing this six years ago, would you believe them? Absolutely not. (laughs) Same here, right? Like we never know what is in what's laid out for us. And I think especially as Latinas, you know, we love our family, we love our culture as we should. But we also want to I mean, like nobody wakes up and says like, Oh, I can't wait to go piss off my mom today. Like, that's just (laughs) never anybody's intention. Right. (laughs) So we want to please the people around us, like we're wired for human connection. So I truly believe that self discovery is what will lead you to your purpose and to your calling. In order to do that, you do have to silence the voices of other people and begin to listen more to yourself. Mm. Oh my gosh, I think that's so true. And I think the way that our culture is set up, like honestly, we don't even give ourselves permission to do this, right? Like I think about just previous generations of my family and I'm like, yeah, all of you guys have some serious mental health problems, but you probably A, are not even aware of it and B, you're always just like in survival slash struggle mode. So you don't even have the time to address this shit. And then it just continues to manifest fest generation through generation until one of us. And I think a lot of millennials are having this, like this moment where they're realizing the toxic things that they've learned from their family lineage and they're attempting to break them. And that's hard, right? It's it's like, where do you even start? Where do you even start? Exactly. I really do feel like it is our generation that's healing generational trauma. And Mm -hmm. it's almost, you know, I was having this thought earlier today the individuals that have immigrant parents, whether they are Latino or not, we have this strange relationship with with our parents in which not only are we the child, but we're almost the parent sometimes as well, you know, like they're so dependent on us. And so I feel like we carry a lot of trauma from that as well. Because maybe our parents didn't speak the language and maybe we had to, like my mom depends on me for so many different things. She will not drive somewhere and like look at her GPS without me with her. 
So, mm-hmm. or, you know, like translating bank documents. So I really do feel like not only are we healing the generational trauma and looking to unlearn these things, but we're also the child and the parent. Yeah, it's such a heavy burden to carry. And there's no wonder that there's so many of us that are just really struggling with mental health issues because it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot for anybody. So, okay. So you have this career in tech, you're making your way up the ladder. You eventually start making six figures. Tell me about how you started your side hustle in the midst of all of this. Yeah. So I started my side hustle as the food blog and I did not make a dollar from the food (laughs) blog. (laughs) I just really didn't know what what I was doing. I mean, I think, you know, more than anything, it was more of a creative outlet because Mm -hmm. when I started the food blog, I was also in a relationship that was very unfulfilling and there was nothing, you know, wrong with the person or um, like it was not an abusive relationship. Like it was one of those situations where you're like, oh, why can't I just, you know, want this? Why can't I just be, you know, like my cousins and like be happy with this? Why do I have to seek more? It was one of those situations. Mm-hmm. And the food blog really was my distraction. And mm. I was, I'm like a master at distracting myself, which is probably <laughs> why I ended up in the mindfulness field now. So the whole time that I'm like at this tech job, I would try to leave and try to catch some sunlight, take my pictures of my food. That went nowhere. I did it for about two or three years. And when the relationship went out of the window, so did the food blog. <laughs> <laughs> We start fresh. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it was, I actually, I'll have to say that the end of that relationship is what marked the start of my self-discovery journey because mm-hmm. I found myself in this relationship that was perfect on paper. The guy spoke Spanish. He spoke English. Um, my family loved him and it was, you know, something they wanted for me. And I then began to question if it was something I wanted for myself, but then I would logically convince myself like, no, you know, he's a nice person, X, Y, and Z, and you should never have to convince yourself to be with somebody. But I didn't know that at the time. (laughs) (laughs) So because, you know, just like touching back on that family expectation. So I was in a relationship because my family essentially wanted me to be in this relationship. But how Mm -hmm. like crazy is that? And we took a trip to South America and he proposed. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh shit, like (laughs) what the fuck am I going to do? Pardon my, my language, you know, but it it was really like, you know, shit hit the fan. Like what it's time to, you know, put your big girl pants on Erica. What are we going to do here? And we had literally just landed in Peru. And I was like, damn it, we're not going to see Machu Picchu if I say no. And like, these are literally the thoughts that are going in my head. And I'm like, all right, like, maybe I'll just say like, all right, let's talk about it whenever we get back home. So I ended up saying like, okay, I said, okay, not yes, crazy. And then I was like, okay, we're going to deal with this when we get back home. So we got back home. And then about a month and a half after we got back, I started getting those migraines again. I was extremely unhappy. And I just broke, I cracked. And I was like, you know, I can't do this. And he Mm. was like, what do you mean you can't do this? I was like, I can't do this. He was like, okay, we don't have to get married. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like I can't be with you. And I had never been so honest. I think with myself, it takes a lot of courage for us to be honest with ourselves, to be vulnerable with ourselves. It's hard to be vulnerable with others, but it's also, you know, we have to start with ourselves and he, um, I gave him the ring back and he walked out of the apartment and I've never seen him again. And it was Mm. hard at the moment 
because I had, I couldn't help but question myself. And, you know, did I make the right decision? What am I doing? What if like, I never meet somebody and you know, my life, all of that self doubt comes up. And I will say that that was the beginning of me deciding to do what was going to make me happy. Not was going, not what was going to make others around me happy. Mm. I totally got sidetracked. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, that's super powerful. And I think a lot of us have that like come to Jesus moment where we're just like, what are we doing? Like, whether it's with a job or a relationship or anything, I mean, something's got to give when you're just not living authentically, like the universe will catch up with you and be like, this is not a vibe, sis, like we got to get on the same page. And so it sounds like that's what happened for you. And so since you said that that was the moment that you really started figuring out that you needed to go within, is that where you began to do coaching or how did that come about? Yeah. So coaching is new as of 2020, actually. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't even know what coaching was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the relationship went out of the window, the food blog went out of the window and I became a yoga instructor. And then I started teaching yoga online because all the gyms closed. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, this is, you know, the perfect opportunity to when there's a need, supply, never made a dollar off that either. (laughs) And then I held a motivational workshop over the summer of 2020. And people just kept telling me, like, asking me how they could stay motivated because, you know, 2020 happened. So I did a little bit of research and pulled kind of from my own experiences. And I had. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. 
about 60 people signed up, which was a lot because I didn't have a huge TikTok following. I really didn't know what I was doing. It was a free workshop. And the moment that I had that workshop, I was like, this is my thing. I don't Mm -hmm. even know what this is yet, but this is my thing. Yeah. (laughs) And I found a coach. I asked all the basic questions. I was like, what is a coach? (laughs) And the moment that I joined this group coaching program and I kind of saw the layout, I was like, I have to do this. I have Mm -hmm. to do this for the community that I care about. And that's how I started coaching. So the first program launched in August of 2020. The second one was November of 2020. So we are at the tail end of the second group. And it's called Purpose Driven Latina. So it's focused on Latinas or first gen. Like I actually have a couple of people that are either half Latina or I've also spoken to a few people that are Filipino American, just because we all have such a similar story. You know, we're more Mm -hmm. alike than we are different. And the program is pretty much what I wish I had when Mm -hmm. I was starting off in tech, when I was looking for fulfillment, when I was looking to align with my purpose. So it covers everything from self-love, self-discovery, business as well. If anybody wants to start like their own side hustle, we go into that. But I think more than anything, it really brings a group of driven badass Latinas together. And that's what makes it so beautiful. That's amazing. And I'm curious, how did you build this following on TikTok? Like, was that intentional or that just happened kind of organically once you started putting yourself out there? It kind of happened organically. So I have a lot of friends on TikTok that were already coaching and they are actually further, their growth was a lot faster than mine because they already had something to sell. I Mm kind of worked backwards. So I was creating content on there because I enjoy creating content and I really didn't know what I was trying to do, but I knew I wanted to, when I knew what I wanted to do, I needed people to sell it to, and I needed people to serve and people to help. So my focus was, okay, let's grow the social following. And then the rest will come. That was kind of my mindset. I really didn't know what I was doing. So with TikTok, Mm -hmm. I started to create a lot more content when we were all at home because I lived alone at the time in Silicon Valley. My office was closed. I had suddenly a lot more time on my hands. And I was like, okay, this is it. Like, let's hustle. Let's see what comes out of this. So literally, I've always been pretty into self-help, but I literally doubled down on the podcast I was listening to, the books I was reading. I was very mindful of the type of content that I was consuming. And because I was literally just so inspired, I think, from everything I was learning, I started to create more content on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And my idea initially was to create content on YouTube. And oh man, that is just like, a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I, YouTube scares the shit out of me, honestly. I'm just like, I didn't need to have like professional video editor to be on YouTube. Whereas TikTok just makes you feel like you can do anything on video and nobody cares about the quality. They care about like the message. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So the moment that I started to create content on TikTok and I saw the opportunity for growth, I doubled down on it. And the reason I think I gravitated so much to TikTok, and I think the reason I was never super successful on Instagram, even though I was creating consistent content for about five years, I've never really been into the whole perfect look. And Mm. I think I needed something that was going to allow me to be my full authentic self and allow me to be vulnerable. And that is what TikTok has done for me. So my most viral video has 4.5 million views, and I have no makeup on. I have a t-shirt on messy bun. It was not (laughs) planned. The video is like 12 seconds. And I'm literally talking about how 
we should be grateful for the things that did not work out because it's always for a reason, right? Like, and in the end, you'll be like, oh, I'm glad that didn't work out. So that video has 4.5 million views. And that's crazy. Like that's, that's amazing. You know, image and I would have never now would have probably received 50 likes on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because I feel like in the beginning of 2020, not a lot of people even knew what the hell TikTok was. And then I think the pandemic definitely accelerated people's awareness of it. And then obviously the fact that everybody's home and they're just like, okay, well, there's nothing else to do. So let me just get on this app. And it is like transforming people's lives. You are one of many people that I know that has literally been able to like build an entire business because of this platform. So for entrepreneurs or like starting people who are starting a brand or a business and they're thinking about using TikTok, what are some like your key tips for creators to take into account when they're thinking about the content that they want to put out? Yeah, I always tell my students that you have one job when it comes to creating content and that one job is to bring value. So to give you a little backstory on how I got more involved with TikTok. So I started creating this content more consistently. And I think, you know, because I was not at work and I had so much more time to myself and I was meditating so much, I did like a course on meditation. That's when I really got into mindfulness. I was having these like bursts of creative ideas. So I was creating content at least once a day, maybe twice a day. And TikTok reached out to me and they had an initiative called Learn on TikTok. So it was an initiative focused on bringing educational content to TikTok. And because most of my content was around education slash inspiration, they asked me to become a part of the partner program. And the moment that happened, I was like, okay, Instagram has never reached out to me. No other social media platform has reached out to me. This is my platform and let's double down. So that's when I really started to take it a lot more serious And I started to look at it from a different perspective. And now I coach people through TikTok. So what I would say is your number one job on there is to bring value. And I'll tell you why, because TikTok values retention. So like, did you watch the video the whole way? Because you could have gone on to a video, liked it within two seconds and then closed out. Does that really mean you liked it? Well, um, not Mm -hmm. really. You didn't watch it the whole way. So they value retention and shares. And if you really think about, you know, what is it that somebody's going to watch the whole thing for? What, What are they willing to share? It's normally something of value. And that could be educational content. It could literally be, are you sharing your story that also resonates with other people? It could be inspiration. It could be something unexpected. So if there's an unexpected ending, that's likely to be shared. So those are the two main metrics that I encourage people to look out for, as well as what's in it for them. Many times I see people creating content that's so like self-centered. And the truth is everybody is self-centered. So that means that your viewers are also self-centered, right? They care about themselves. So if your video is only flaunting you and you're not really providing the person watching value, what are they going to watch for? So Mm -hmm. your job is to bring value and always think, you know, what's in it for the viewer. And if you do have a business, that means you have a set of frequently asked questions that you receive. It means that you have conversations with your customers. You need to create videos as if you're talking to your customers. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such great advice. And I have definitely seen the value of TikTok. So it's not just an app for like Gen Z to go and like learn dances. It's so much more than that, guys. (laughs) Make sure you're not neglecting that platform because I think it's honestly the future of social media. 
So I have a question because obviously you went to school, you got a good job, you did all of the quote unquote things on the checklist when it comes to what Latino parents expect their children to do. What the hell was that conversation like with your family when you told them, guys, I'm going to quit my six figure tech job to like teach people on TikTok? (laughs) Please, I want to (laughs) know. My mom thought I was insane. (laughs) As most of our mothers probably would. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. She was like, you're going to leave a stable job in the middle of a pandemic (laughs) to do who knows what. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I think it just comes from, for our parents, the goal was security, right? Because where they grew up, there was not security. They lacked that. That's why they immigrated. So for them, it's really hard to understand the reason behind wanting more. Like they kind of almost feel we worked so hard for you. And then on the contrary, we as, you know, the kids almost feel this guilt, like they did work hard for me. So sometimes we're almost afraid to take risks on ourselves because of that struggle that our parents faced. But what I like to tell people is your vision is for you, not for other people. So like, I really encourage you to think about it like, eyeglass prescriptions. Those eyeglass prescriptions were made for you and that is your vision. But if you give those eyeglasses to someone else, they're not going to be able to see. And that's the same thing with your vision, right? Mm -hmm. So like we can't expect our parents and our cousins and our husbands or, you know, whatever, whoever's in your life to get it because they're not on the same journey as you are. You're the one on that journey. So your job is to make that vision a reality because then people will get it. So the moment that the money started coming in, my mom was like, pues yo ni sé cómo estás haciendo eso, but the good thing is you're getting money. At least you can eat. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it's all about. I mean, I think our parents just really want us to be successful. There's just so many different ways of earning money that they can't even wrap their heads around it, honestly. Like I've had the same conversations with my parents. They're just like, what do you mean you're getting paid to like do shit on social media? Like, Like how? And it's just, it's a whole new world out here, guys. And it's okay if you're the first one in your family that's like doing crazy shit that nobody understands. So I want to touch on limiting beliefs, right? Because I think to be able to even make this kind of move and in your life, you got to get past some like serious limiting beliefs about like failure, about success. And so what are some of the limiting beliefs that you had to work through to be able to gain the confidence to say, I am ready to walk away? Yeah, I had to prove to myself that I could do it before I I walked away. And I struggled with a lot of limiting beliefs throughout my tech career because I always worked at companies that were not only pretty small, but they were kind of family owned. So it meant they weren't, they didn't run the same way a normal company did. And I remember almost feeling like not a good enough employee because I didn't get the company ahead. But like now looking back, I'm like, okay, that was stupid. Like (laughs) I was never set up for success there. Like not really. And so actually started creating content when I was in tech. I would create all of our product videos. I would do all of our voiceovers. And so obviously I had a skill set that other people at the tech company that were all engineers didn't have. Mm -hmm. But with that being said, I constantly felt like I wasn't smart enough. I felt like I didn't know enough about business or how to run a business or else I would have already received a few promotions. But the truth is there was nowhere to be promoted to. Like Mm. I worked, you know, one of the companies I worked at the two daughters worked there and they were the only ones getting promotions. So like, (laughs) what the hell was I thinking? I don't know. Now it's like silly. 
So that was one of the big ones that I had to really get over not being smart enough because since I was a kid, it was a message that I was told. It's why my brother told me I wouldn't get into a good school and why I worked my ass off to do well there. And I still didn't believe that I was smart enough. Yeah. So that was one of the ones I had to really work through. And I actually, I think it really, I left tech when I started that self-discovery journey and when I started to do the inner work, when I really started to identify what was holding me back and I started to address it. So there's this therapist, her name is Byron Katie, and she has a worksheet that's free. You can find it online. And it's a questionnaire that is, it's called one belief at a time. And the questions that she guides you through is, so you have to select your beliefs. So in this situation, my belief is like, I'm not smart enough. So then the questionnaire goes, is that true? And then I would have to answer. And maybe I say yes the first time. The second question is, do you absolutely know that it's true? And then I would say, okay, well, no, or else, you know, I wouldn't have been admitted to the school that I was admitted to, or I wouldn't have gotten the jobs that I got. And then you start to really, really justify why that belief is kind of made up in your head. And then the worksheet even has you, you know, like, how do I feel when I believe this thought? It also asks you, who would I be without this thought? It also asks you like to reverse the thought. So it would be, I am smart enough and then provide reasons why you are smart enough. So I did a lot of that type of work. And also I think working with a coach was really, really helpful. He helped me believe in myself when I didn't see the potential because like I mentioned, I didn't even know what coaching was. So one of the biggest limiting beliefs would be that I was not smart enough. Another one was also, who am I like to have all of this success? You know, a lot of times we think we're afraid of failure, but we're actually afraid of success because success brings a lot of responsibilities with it. It brings a lot of pressure. So I think for a long time, I was actually almost scared of my own potential that it was easier to just hold myself back. Oh my God, that resonates so much. And I have heard that narrative over and over again with so many people in our community. It's like, this imposter syndrome can be the thing that just stops you from even trying to do something. And I think it's so toxic for lack of a better word. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. The funny thing, sorry, one thing about imposter syndrome. So this is something that I also cover in my group coaching program and I've just done so much research on it. So I think that also helped just becoming a little more educated about this topic that isn't spoken of enough, Yeah, especially at work. Like nobody talks about feeling like they're not good enough or feeling that they don't know enough because half the people probably lied to get the job. Like, oh yeah, I have experience doing that. So I think that's been really helpful. And another thing also that has been super helpful for me is recognizing that we are going to feel a form of self-doubt and imposter syndrome at every level of our career. Like it doesn't Mm. just end. I think there's this misconception like, oh, once I get the promotion or once I make this much money, then like I'll be enough. But no, 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 you got to be enough right now because at every single level, there's always going to be more to learn. There's always going to be, you know, more people that are doing big things. Like whenever you're leveling up, you're going to feel that imposter syndrome over and over and over. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's just a different flavor depending on where you are, but it's going to be the same challenges in different forms. Okay, so I would love to know, As now that you're doing the full-time entrepreneur thing, it is very easy to work yourself 24-7 into the ground. How do you manage self-care and how do you build that into your schedule as an entrepreneur? 
This is one of my favorite questions. <laughs> and I've got to tell you before I answer this that I do struggle with it because I am working late. I find that I'm pretty productive in the morning and then in the like midday or like early afternoon, I do tend to lose focus. And then as soon as it's dark again, then I'm like, I get in flow. So I've been trying to stop working a lot earlier rather than working late into the evening because then it's hard to wind down and actually go to bed. But to actually answer your question, so I'm not perfect. I don't have it down just yet, but I do have one piece down that I think is fundamental. And that is my morning routine because the way you start your morning sets the tone for the rest of your day. And if you wake up and you check your phone, you don't know what Mr. Well, Trump's not tweeting right now, but <laughs> you never know like what your Thea said on Facebook or like who left a comment that was kind of passive aggressive. Like you're letting other people set the tone for your day instead of you doing it. So yeah. morning routine is really, really, really important to me. I journal in the morning as soon as I wake up. So I, I try to habit stack. So I will go get a coffee. I sit down with my coffee. And while I'm drinking my coffee, I have to journal. I can't just sit there and drink coffee and do nothing. So mm -hmm. it's my time to journal. And I journal about what I'm looking forward to that day. If I may be stressed out about something, I, it's just literally like, let's get all of the messiness out of my mind and onto paper. And once I'm done with my journaling, then I will meditate. And sometimes the meditation is five minutes. Sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes it's 15. It really just depends on, on the actual day. And then I try to get a workout in, whether that is like walking the dogs or jumping on my Peloton. I just got the bike doing some type of physical activity. And then I'll look at my phone. And I can't even tell you the days that I skip that morning routine. I'm just so off. I don't even feel like myself because during that morning routine, so this morning, I wrote down four ideas for TikTok videos while I was journaling, because I think we have this misconception of like, oh, if I work more, I'm going to be more productive. But like, not really, especially if you're doing kind of creative work, because creativity doesn't come from chaos. It comes Absolutely. from calm. Yeah. Yeah. So like, how can you find those pockets of stillness? And there's people out there that, you know, have kids and maybe their kids wake them up before or, you know, they maybe not have may not have an in a consistent schedule. So in that situation, I would recommend like find pockets of like stillness within the day and maybe like, you know, include your kid. Can you go out for a walk with your kid, for example? Or can you like, while you journal, have them color, like depending on the age. So that's my form of self-care, journaling, meditating, working out always in the, in the morning. Yeah. I have to agree with you. Once I started doing morning routine of meditation, instead of checking the phone, instead of turning on the news, like it just really changes the whole tone of your day. So I cannot preach that enough. That's excellent advice. Okay. One question I do have for you about you walking away from your nine to five. Now, there are lots of different opinions from people about like how you should set up your finances before you decide to become a full-time entrepreneur. Like, did you formulate a plan as far as how much money you were going to save? Or were you kind of just like, I'm going to figure this out as I go? I knew that I did not want to be in tech forever. Yeah. <laughs> so my idea was I was going to be there for one year. I ended up being there for eight. So <laughs> I, I that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up saving money pretty consistently, actually. And towards, I want to say the last two or three years, I would automatically have 30% of my check go to my savings. Mm. So I had a pretty good savings 
cushion. So a lot of people think I've heard you should leave your day job when you're making the same or more from a side hustle. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I think every situation is different, right? Like if you have kids, maybe that's the case. Yeah. So in no way, shape or form am I looking to advise people, but just sharing my, my own experience. So for me, that did not make sense because I was so over my job and it was really just to the point where what's more important to me, having the money or having the peace of mind. And the reality Mm -hmm. was my peace of mind was a lot more important to me. So what I did is I did start making money before I left. And the moment that I was losing money by not dedicating more time to my side hustle, that's when I decided, okay, it's time to make the jump. Mm Mm-hmm. So what does that look? Yeah. What did that look like from losing money perspective? You had to like turn down business deals because you just didn't have the time to dedicate to them. Yeah. So I couldn't take on coaching clients because Mm -hmm. I didn't have the time to do my nine to five and focus on the coaching as much, especially because, you know, at the beginning, it takes a lot more time to get set up and to to be up and running. I just knew that like I could be making a lot more. I could not only make more money, but I can also have more of an impact if I was Mm -hmm. dedicating more time and energy to it. And my my day job was taking a lot more energy than I wanted. And, you know, I think especially in the Latinx community, we tend to think of income and impact as two different things. But Mm -hmm. no, like they still go hand in hand, right? Like you have to make an income in order to make an impact. And there's nothing wrong with making money. Like we need to switch that narrative. You know, the only way uh, sometimes I I thought, you know, I had to go work at a nonprofit. And if you want to go work at a nonprofit, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not the only way to help people because and now I'm at the point where like, okay, the more income I make, the more impact I'm also going to have. So after that rant, to come back to your question, I did have savings and I was also already making money for my coaching business and my demand was really high. So Mm -hmm. my demand was higher than what I could provide, if that makes sense. I had more applications for coaching coming in that I could even get back to or address. Yeah, uh, that makes so much sense. You know, I think once your day job starts interfering with your entrepreneurial journey, I think that's a pretty clear sign that it's time to go. So it sounds like you were able to really make that assessment and it has paid off. So kudos to you. I mean... I'm so jealous. I'm so excited for you (laughs) and to just keep following your journey. So before we wrap up the interview, I would love to know two questions. The first one is, what advice would you give to someone who is ready to do something like what you did, right? Launch an entrepreneurial dream, but they are just paralyzed with fear. What would you say to them? I would say to them that they should either invest in a coach or a therapist. Within society, we all praise people that go to the gym for their physical bodies, but like our our mind is also a muscle that needs to be attended to and we neglect it so much. And it's normal to have fear. And especially within our community, there's so many reasons that we can be fearful and you just, you don't have to do it alone. Yeah, I love that. And what is your money mantra? My money mantra is money is abundant and it flows to me. Mm. Yes, we are here for it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Erica, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm super inspired by what you're doing. And I feel like the message that you're putting out there is just really to embrace everything that life has to offer you. Like don't stay stuck in a career, in a life that just does not feel like it is your purpose. And so first off, thank you for being such an amazing, inspiring voice in this space. And thank you for sharing your story. Now for folks that want to find out more about you and follow your journey, where can we find you? Yeah, on Instagram and on TikTok, I am at the Erica Cruz. That's also my website, the Erica Cruz. Com. I'm super active on TikTok. I try to post daily and I'm pretty active on Instagram as well. That's probably the best place to DM me. Excellent. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I hope you love this episode and are encouraged to discover your purpose if you haven't already found it. You know, for me, I found that the combination of a successful career, a loving family, and a strong social network to the outside world might look like the recipe for a perfect life. But even those who can check off each of those boxes might be feeling like something is missing. And that's how I felt for a long time in my life. You feel like there is something that just isn't right. And that something is your purpose in life. Finding your purpose is more than just a cliche or a dream that will never be fulfilled. You actually owe it to yourself to find your purpose. It is how you start to live a better, happier, and healthier life. And just remember, finding your purpose isn't something that can be done in a day or a week or months. It can be a lifelong journey but it starts by taking one step at a time. So until next time, stay curious, stay passionate, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. 
No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. 